I'm going to go ahead and read our passage for this morning. It's coming from the book of John. John chapter 1, 19 through 28. Let's go ahead and look at that. This was John's testimony, that is John the Baptist. When the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? He didn't deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. What then, they asked him, Are you Elijah? I am not, he said. Are you the prophet? No, he answered. Who are you then, they asked. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What can you tell us about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, just as Isaiah the prophet said. Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees, so they asked him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, or Elijah, or the prophet? I baptize with water, John answered them, but someone stands among you, but you don't know him. He is the one coming after me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. And all this happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And this is the word of our God. Let's pray. Father, we come uh, into your presence humbling ourselves, thanking you uh, that the word of our God remains forever. So we pray this morning that the word, your word that goes out of my mouth would accomplish the purpose for which you send it by the power of your spirit here this morning. Amen. So we are preaching through the book of John uh, in the Bible. Uh, John was one of Jesus' disciples, one of the twelve, one of uh, his his apostles, and he wrote this book down, an eyewitness account, to tell us about all that Jesus did so that we might believe in him and uh, know who he is. So here in this passage, uh, we we meet John the Baptist again. Uh, John the Baptist, came before Jesus. He came announcing uh, the coming of Jesus, the fact that the Messiah was coming and everybody needed to get uh, ready. All four of the first four books of the Bible, which are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, mention John the Baptist. Now, why is that? Why do you think that is? All four of them uh, mention John the Baptist. The reason is, is that he was massively important. Uh, John the Baptist was. uh, John the Baptist's ministry was the beginning of something new with the arrival of the Messiah and something new that God uh, was doing uh, in in the world. Um, John the Baptist's uh, ministry uh, was kind of like a launch pad. Uh, It was the launching of Jesus' ministry. We got, we uh, got, my family, we got ourselves a drone for Christmas, right? Uh, It's not like a real uh, super nice drone or anything. But uh, you have to launch it, right? You got to put it on a flat surface, and it goes. You hit the button, and it goes straight up. Uh, super cool. So John the Baptist's ministry was like that uh, for Jesus. It was the launching, the beginning of it. So uh, he serves as a great example for us to think about getting ready for the new year, 2024. You guys ready for that? Are you guys ready for 2024? Some of you haven't thought about it yet, have you? It's okay. We're gonna think about it. About it here the, uh, this morning. Has anybody told you, uh, you know, I hope you have a happy new year? Anybody told you that? I hope, oh, she's ready. I hope you have a good uh, new year. So people will tell you that, right? Well, let's think about that here this morning. I got two questions to help us think about the new year. Is that okay? Okay. All right. So the, uh, the first question is, what standard should you use? 
right? People tell you, well, Happy New Year. Have a good New Year. Well, by what standard are we judging whether it's going to be good or happy? All right? That's the question. John, look, look at verse 19. This was John's testimony when the Jews from Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him, Who are you? So we've already touched on this, uh, but John the Baptist's ministry was huge. John the Baptist was a big deal. He was like viral. Uh, he was like famous. Thousands of people were flocking to uh, John the Baptist to, to hear his preaching and teaching and to be baptized uh, in the Jordan River. And the Jews didn't like that. When it says here in our passage, uh, the Jews from Jerusalem, when the book of John says the Jews, it's talking about those who opposed John the Baptist and those who opposed uh, Jesus' uh, ministry. Uh, they felt threatened by John the Baptist. They felt threatened by uh, Jesus. So it says here, uh, the priests and Levites, uh, these were um, people who served in the temple uh, in Jerusalem, and they were the religious leaders uh, of the day. So what we're looking at here is the pressure from the culture. Right? It was the pressure groups of the day coming and trying to cancel uh, John the Baptist, uh, so to speak. Um, they wanted to know who he was. Right? They were afraid that John the Baptist was just another revolutionary coming along the way to try to overthrow uh, the Roman occupation and to disturb things. Right? Uh, they, they wanted to keep the status quo. At the time, uh, the Roman Empire uh, occupied a lot of uh, uh, territory. They uh, occupied Israel at the time. Israel was under Roman uh, occupation. So they were afraid that John the Baptist was going to disturb things. They were going to lose their position, they're going to lose their power and their influence, and that was their standard. That was their standard by which they were uh, judging things. So John the Baptist and Jesus and the Jews had different visions of what the good life really is, different standards of how to think about life. So by what standard is what we're asking. A standard is just something you use uh, to measure. It's a standard, of, it's a measurement. So that drone we bought, uh, it, it only goes like 40 yards, okay, 40, 50 yards. So you don't got to worry about me doing like pastoral ministry, like uh, with a drone over your house, checking up on you, taking video of you, and seeing what you're doing uh, out back behind your house, anything like that. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, so it, it only goes 40 yards. So a yard is the measurement by which how far uh, that we know how far that drone will go, right? So we are asking this morning, by what standard can you judge a good year? We look back on 2023 and say, man, that was a good year. Well, how do you know? By what standard? All right, where are you going to get your vision for next year? If you're looking into 2024 and you think, man, now that would be a good year. Where are you getting that from? Where are you getting uh, your vision for next year? I'll tell you where our culture gets it. Our culture is very fluid, right? So it's, it's just all over the place. So Everybody gets their vision basically from me, myself, and I. So whatever I think is going to be a good year in 2024, well, I, that's, if I said it, that's what it is. If I feel like that's going to be good for me for next year, then doggone it, that's what it is. All right? Well, let me get kind of philosophical here for a second. Without a transcendent reference point, all you got is just your opinions. If there is no God who speaks from heaven down and says, hey, this is what it is, all you got is a will to power. All you got uh, is your cravings and uh, uh, your desires. And that's all it is. And, and what we see, what's the result of that? This chaos and confusion. 
right? And so it's kind of like we're in a wilderness, and we're in a desert, and John the Baptist is calling out to us uh, in the wilderness, and he calls out to us with an unshakable, unchanging standard. He calls out to us with a transcendent reference point, speaking down with a voice from heaven, right? And because of that, John the Baptist was absolutely unshakable. Look at that man's life. He's unflinching. He is courageous. He is bold. He's happy. He's got something to do with his life. You look at John the Baptist, he stood up to the most powerful people in his culture. Absolutely unwavering. Look at, look at what he says here in verse 20 and 21. He didn't deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. Well, what then, they asked, are you Elijah? I'm not. He said, are you the prophet? No, he answered them. Messiah, Elijah, and the prophet are all titles given to people uh, throughout uh, the Bible. So in no uncertain terms, John the Baptist said he was not the Messiah. What does that word mean, Messiah? The Greek word for Messiah is the word Christ. So the word Messiah um, gathers up all the anticipation, all the hope, and all the promises in the, in the first part of the, all that the prophets have said about this coming one, this individual who will come and rescue God's people, save Israel, gather in the nations, and make the world new again. That is the Messiah. Right? And this is what we've been celebrating. This is what we celebrate during this season. That's what all these songs are about that we just sang, about this one who would come, who would save us from our sins, this Christ. This is the Christ. Behold, that's what we, 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 just, we just sang. And John the Baptist says, I'm not that guy. He also said, hey, listen, I'm not Elijah. Right? Elijah was one of the greatest prophets uh, in, in Israel's history. He was, he was beamed up to heaven. Elijah was taken away, and, and the Jews thought that he would return uh, at the end. Uh, so John the Baptist says, I, I'm, I'm not Elijah. Now, John did come in the spirit of Elijah. Right? Th this prophecy said that Elijah would come at the end. Right? And John the Baptist came in the same spirit because he, he was a prophetic voice. He, he had it was a prophetic voice to those who were in power. Right? John the Baptist was a meddler. Right? He, didn't, he didn't care about the status quo. He didn't care what anybody thought. He, he cared about what was right. Because he, he, even though the culture changes and it's fluid, right, he was appealing to an unshakable uh, standard. So he was John the Baptist. Uh, he was Elijah in that way. But he was not literally Elijah. He said, listen, I, I'm not the prophet either. Moses was arguably the greatest prophet uh, in Israel's history. And he, and he spoke and he prophesied that there would be this prophet who would come. I'll show you. Deuteronomy uh, 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers, and you must listen to him, referring to Jesus. Right? So, the Messiah, Elijah, and the prophet were all things that, that, that were at a fever pitch during John the Baptist's day. There was this huge anticipation that something was going to happen. Someone was going to come. Right? It was like a powder keg. John the Baptist's uh, day uh, was like a powder keg, and it was just, it was just ready to uh, explode. So I want you to think about this. What if you were asked the same question John the Baptist was asked? Who are you? How would you answer that question? Who are you? Yeah, you've got a good answer. Who, who, who are you? Right? Uh, and maybe you, maybe you feel here today that your life is on sink and sand. 
or you look around the world and everything is, I mean, who knows what could happen in 2024, right? It, it feels like there's, there's always like, there's tremors going on, there's always tremors, and every and once in a while there's a volcanic eruption. Uh, something crazy uh, goes down. And maybe you, maybe you feel like that in life. And here's the good news for this morning. The Bible is as solid as granite. Right? It is a sure footing to put your, uh, your, your life on. The Bible says that when you become a Christian, right, and you come to believe in Jesus, you get a whole new you. You get a whole new uh, identity, and there's a lot wrapped up in that. John the Baptist was able to say, this is who I am. I am a voice because of Jesus. Right? He was getting everybody ready for Jesus. He was preparing everybody... For Jesus. Now, we are 2,000 years on the backside of that, uh, of, of, of John the Baptist's ministry and Jesus, right? Jesus has already come. And the, and the book of John says that God gave his only son for you, and he came into the world so that you could have a new identity, right? The identity that you're supposed to have, the identity that God says um, um, you should have, and so that you wouldn't be standing on a crumbling foundation. See, all the world is sinking and crumbling and in chaos because they don't have a firm foundation. See, God loves you. God sent Jesus Christ into the world. He was born of a virgin. He went to the cross to die to save you from your sins, right? to save you from the, the flood of our culture, right? and to give you a whole new identity. I mean, does anybody here know what's going to happen in 2024? I can, I can bet you some crazy things are going to happen. I'm not a prophet, but just, just, just write it down. Ricky said crazy stuff is going to happen. Right? It's going to happen. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter if you're standing on the rock. Let, it, let, let, whatever, let the floodgates be uh, released. It does not matter if you're standing on the rock. I'm going to show you, show you just let me give you one thing here. Romans 8, 35 to 37. Romans 8 is so beautiful. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Because of Jesus because he died, because he rose, because he sent his spirit into our lives. Who can separate you from the love of Christ? Next question. Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written? There's the unshakable standard again. Because of you, we've been put to death all day long. Because we believe in Jesus, because we believe in the one true God, we're suffering. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. All right, so who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can all these things? No. None of them. And all these, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What a beautiful passage. I mean, what about in 2024? What if affliction come your way, or distress, or persecution, or famine? I love how Paul threw this in here, nakedness. What if you ain't got no clothes in 2024, and you're running around the woods here in Morgan County, butt naked? Right? You ain't got no clothes. What if that happens? Are you separated from the love of Jesus? Absolutely not. All right? All that cannot change who you are in him. It does not separate you from Jesus. So who are you? They came and asked John the Baptist, who are you? He says, I'm a voice. Who are you as a Christian? Who are you? You are more than a conqueror. That's what it just says. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us, right? That's your new you. What does it mean? It means that because Jesus conquered this world, 
Because Jesus, at the cross, conquered all of our sin, that he paid the price for it through his sacrifice in his blood, that we are forgiven. All of 2023 is forgiven. Guess what? All of 2024 that you're going to do is forgiven. Death. Jesus walked out the grave. They've never produced the body. The tomb is empty. Everybody knows Jesus' tomb is empty, by the way. You know that? Like all the, all the New Testament scholars, even the ones who don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, they all agree it was empty. He has risen from the dead. He's conquered death. So here's what that means. You do too. Because Jesus is there at the right hand of the Father, that means your victory is there. You were already there. You've already won. There's more than that. It's more than that. It means that in the midst of suffering, in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulty, God is able to bring good out of that. And in fact, he does. All things work together for the good of those who love him are called according to his purpose. So come what may in the future. The only thing that can happen is that all that stuff makes you more like Jesus. Right? And it serves to bring his purposes in the world. Right? That's the unshakable standard. Right? So what should you be prepared for? That's, the, that's, that's question number two. What should you be prepared for uh, next year? Look at, look at what John says here in uh, verse 22 and 23. Who are you then, uh, they ask. We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What, do you, uh, what do you, can you tell us about yourself? He said, I am a voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the, highway, or make straight the way of the Lord, just as Isaiah the prophet said. So again, John the Baptist situates himself in the story of the scriptures. I'm not the Messiah. I'm not Elijah. I'm not the prophet. This is who I am. And he is banking his life on the scriptures. The reason that that is in bold and black is because he, he is quoting from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, which we read at the beginning of the service. I don't know if you caught that. Right? Uh, he's quoting straight from the, um, the Old Testament here. And the imagery here uh, of make straight the way, in Isaiah when we read it, it said make straight, make a highway. Right? So the imagery is of, of clearing, clearing a road, so that, the, so that the king can come back, so that the Lord can return uh, uh, to, to Israel. So think about the bypass that's being put here in Morgan County. A lot of land was cleared for that bypass to come through. A lot of dirt was brought in. A lot of dirt was removed. We have some new hills and ridges here in Morgan County uh, as a result, right? But that was happened, that was done, to make the way straight for you so that you wouldn't feel like you're in rush hour traffic in a town with just a couple uh, stoplights, right? That's a good thing, okay? Uh, we don't want you in, in rush hour traffic. But here uh, in uh, Isaiah, when it talks about the way, the roadway is talking about you. When it says make straight the way, put your name right there. Put your life right there. Make straight uh, your life. John is saying, prepare yourself for what is coming. Well, what came? What came was Jesus, right? John's getting everybody ready uh, for Jesus. So Jesus has already come. He's already come into his words. He's already lived. He's already died. He's already uh, risen from, from the dead. So if they should have got ready, then how much more we? How much more we who in Christ are more than conquerors ought to get ourselves ready for next year. 
That's what, that's what he's saying here. So, in order to be prepared, in order to get ready, we have to know and believe that God loves us. That God sent his son, his only son, to live and to die for us so that we could be reconciled unto God. Have a relationship with him. Our sins are to be forgiven. So, here's the good news. If you believe in Jesus, here's the good news. All of 2023 is forgiven. Did you guys do anything messed up? Did you guys, like, do anything screwed up in 2023? I'm a sinner. Okay, I don't know about you. But I am thankful that 2023, my frustration, anger, bitterness, whatever it is, you know, is gone because of the cross. And you need to believe that. So, this means that you are not your failures. When you think about moving into 2024, the past, you are not those things. Here's what you are. Who are you? You are more than a conqueror in Christ. You're forgiven. You've been synced up and Bluetooth uh, to the life of Jesus. But here's what it also means. This means if we have sins in our life that we are being defeated by, that we are being conquered by, they got to go. Right? John the Baptist came uh, with a ministry of repentance, which means turning away from the things that Jesus died to conquer in our lives and, and, and uh, turning to him for forgiveness and grace to, to move forward. So what should you be prepared for? How can you be prepared to have a good year next year according to God's definition of good? How can you, how can you do that? Um, one of the things that, that we do here, we offer here, is, uh, is marriage counseling for uh, those who are uh, members, especially premarital counseling. If folks are, um, are wanting to tie the knot, you know, we, we offer premarital counseling to get them prepared because they have no clue what they're getting themselves into, do they? No, they don't. No, they have no clue what they're getting themselves into. Uh, but uh, also, you know, uh, at times you need a little tune-up. You, you're going through things, and, and, and I'm thankful every time that I go through it because I'm thinking, man, I needed this reminder. I needed this uh, encouragement uh, for myself. So. Uh, one of the things we talk about is which day of, your, of, of someone's marriage do you think is the most important? Every day? Yeah, well, that's true. But the most important is the last day. The last day. Not, not, the, not the wedding ceremony and all that and the hype. And, and that's great, too. We need to celebrate. But we need to be found on the last day faithful to one another and joyful. Right? That's what matters. Those vows, you stand before God, before witnesses, and say, till death do us part. So, we talk about having a picture of that last day, being joyful and being faithful to one another, and then a plan to get there. So, this is what we say. When we begin with the end in mind, therefore, the specific end that we ought to envision is one that lines up with the ultimate purposes for which God created the world, which is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So that's where we ought to find ourselves uh, on, in the end. Uh, you guys know Yogi Berra? I think there's a documentary uh, on Netflix about him uh, right now, but he had a lot of creative uh, quotes uh, in his life, and he said this, I don't know, uh, if you don't know where you're going, you might not get there. Sounds, uh, sounds pretty plain simple to me. If I have no clue on where I'm going in 2024, then I'm probably not going to get there. Okay. So, one of the things that we talk about in the marriage counseling is reverse engineering your life. 
reverse engineering your marriage. So if the goal is to glorify God, to enjoy him forever, okay, that is the picture. Let's work backwards and come up with a plan to get there, okay? So, God's standard for you in 2024 is to glorify him and to enjoy him forever. So the word of God down from heaven is God says this, I want you to glorify me and enjoy me in 2024. So let's break that down. How do you get there? Let me ask you a question. When that, when that bypass is done and it's completed, right, and you look at it, right, and you drive your vehicle on it, do you think there's any engineering involved in that? Was there any planning involved? I'm sure there was a plan. I'm sure they just didn't get, show up on day one and say, hey, man, let's just figure this thing out. Let's just get in here and start excavating this thing and throwing some concrete down. So you got to have a plan that matches the big picture, God's big picture for you. Being truly prepared for the future, the good life means planning for the good life. So what's your plan? What's your plan for 2024? It's okay if you haven't thought about it. It is all, it is all right. We're going to talk about it right now. What is your plan 2024? Is it according to the unshakable, unchanging standard? Right? John had one, by the way. John had a plan. Look at verse 24 through 28. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees, that is the Jews, no, the, the, the priests and Levites. So they asked him, why then do you baptize if you aren't the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet? I baptize with water, John answered them, but someone stands among you, but you don't know him. He is the one coming after me, talking about Jesus, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie. And all this happened in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. So John says, hey, listen, I am a voice. So his plan for his life was to get everyone ready for Jesus by baptizing them. Right? And he says, listen, man, I'm unworthy. I, I'm just a, a voice. Right? He, he's saying here, listen, there's nothing better than Jesus. There's nothing better than, than honoring him and glorifying him and enjoying him. Right? And, and worshiping him. So, number one, what should your plan be? Number one, you, you should plan 2024 to follow Jesus. That's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Right? Our, our fluid culture says, hey, follow, follow your own heart. Follow your feelings. Follow your gut. Go with that. No, don't do that in 2024. Follow Jesus. Look at what John says here again in verse 27. He is the one coming after me whose sandal strap I am not worthy to untie. Right? He says, Jesus says, listen, man, I'm unworthy to even tie, untie his boots. Can you, can you imagine untying another person's shoes, taking their shoes off for them? Right? I, couldn't, I don't even think I could get my, 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 my girls to take my socks off for me. Can you imagine like, stooping down and untying your, your friend's uh, shoes? By the way, this right here, untying someone's sandal strap, was reserved for slaves. And John says, hey, listen, I am beneath a slave. Right? I'm not even a, worthy to be a slave. I'm, I'm below um, that when it comes to Jesus. So he's saying in comparison to Jesus, in comparison to who he is, we got to remember who John the Apostle says Jesus is here. He, John says that Jesus is eternal. He is God. He's always been there. Listen, there had to be someone to get things going. 
right? There had to be an uncaused cause, right? Things don't just get caused by themselves. Something has to spring them into uh, existence. Jesus is that one, right? There has to be some, something there, some beauty, some rationality to all the beauty and complexity and diversity that we see in the world. And Jesus is the word that spoke it all into existence. He's the creator of God. That's who John says. And he came to die. That one came and was born of the Virgin Mary and sacrificed his life at the cross for us. Jesus says, or John says, John the Baptist says, in comparison to him, I give everything to him. I give my life. I give my heart. I give my allegiance. I give my worship over to Jesus all day, every day. And that's what Jesus calls us to do. Luke chapter 9, verse 23 says this. Look at this. Then he, Jesus, said to them all, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself. Do not follow your heart. Do not get swept up in the flood of the liquid culture of ours. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. What's the plan for 2024? Obey Jesus. Follow him. So here's what this looks like. It looks like starting off 2024, resting in the grace of God. Right? That's what it looks like. It doesn't look like, man, I'm going to try harder and do so much for God in 2024. No, it looks like looking back 2,000 years and seeing the bloody cross of what God has done for you, how the Lamb of God was slain so that all of your sin can be taken away. 2024 is more about what God has done for you than all the stuff that you got to do for him and all the things you got to get right that you messed up in 2023. Start there. How about that? Start with forgiveness and the clean slate. That's all God's gift to you, right? It looks like delighting in the goodness of God. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus, the fact that there's nothing better. There's no one greater. There's no more satisfaction and joy and delight and pleasure that you will ever find. Your heart was made for Jesus. You will never be satisfied until you find him and rest in him. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in him, period. And that looks like not being entitled when it comes to your relationship to Jesus. He doesn't owe us anything. We shouldn't be bitter at him, angry at him. None of, none of that. Everything that we have in our life is a gift from him. Yes, yes. 2024 is the year of treasure in the Bible. Treasure in the scriptures, right? Reading it daily, memorizing it, talking about it, studying it. Yes, and if you come out to group, we do this every year, kick off the year. Every year I talk about the importance of reading the Bible, I, I provide all these resources, and it, it's all online. You can have it all. It's all free. We had a bunch of people last year starting reading the Bible uh, with a plan, like for the first time. I know me, myself, I just share my own testimony. For the past four years, I've read through the Bible every year. So today, I ended with Revelation 22. It was fabulous. Thank God. What a way to end the year. What a way to end the year. I'm coming back, and I'm going to set it all straight, and it's going to be amazing. Right? Treasure in the scriptures. And the scriptures point us to Jesus over and over and over again. And they highlight where we're out of line. They say, hey, tighten up right here. Look to Jesus. Turn away from that stuff. You're more than, more than a conqueror. 
So 2024, following Jesus looks like maturing in him. The goal is growth, right? In your relationship with Christ. I think we ought to look back on this past year and say, I took a couple steps towards maturity in Christ. I took a couple more steps. I look back and, and I'm, 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 farther, I'm farther along. Because, and here's the good news. In 20, this, the remainder of 23, Jesus says, come as you are. I'll accept you right as you are, where you're at. I'm willing to work with you. I'm willing to forgive you and love you and all of that. But here, here's, here's, here's the thing. He doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to grow and to mature and not be stagnant, stagnant, but to grow. And he will help us to do that. Number two, plan to serve Jesus' church. Yes. I think there's a lot of people out there that think that the church is optional to the Christian life, like uh, McDonald's, the value meals. You got the different numbers, right? And uh, number one in value is Jesus. He is the most important. But we settle for the filet fish or whatever it's called, right? I know I just offended a lot. That's probably the most offensive thing I said here this morning, right? But it's nasty. Stop eating that, okay? <laughs> Everything else McDonald's guy is amazing, but just stop eating that. And people think that being active involved in church is an option that they uh, don't have to choose. The Bible calls the church the bride of Christ. That is the people. It, 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 the the, the the church is the bride of Jesus. Now, I can't imagine my best friends that, you know, that I love dearly hanging out with them and then just writing their brides off, just dismissing their brides. Like, like hey, I'm down with you, but your girl, yeah, she's a little crazy. I don't, I don't want nothing to do with her. Right? I, I always thought I wanted to be friends with you. Right? The Bible calls the church the family of God. Now, I can't imagine someone wanting to be friends with me and saying, I don't really like your family. I don't, I don't, I don't really want that. Uh, that, that, the whole package deal. I don't really want uh, that. So following Jesus is also being friendly with his family. So Wellspring Church is you guys. It is the people here who commit themselves to Jesus and to one another. By the way, this building is not a church. All the buildings in our community right, are not churches. A church is a group of people that commit themselves to Jesus and to one another to love and serve and worship uh, him uh, together. That's what a church is. So let me ask you a question. Do you plan on following Jesus in 2024? Is that your plan? Is that your plan? Okay, now I want you to listen to me very carefully. You cannot do it in any other way than by serving Jesus' church. If you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm all about Jesus, you cannot do it without the bride of Christ and without the family of Christ. That's just, that's, that is Jesus' plan. Jesus said, hey, listen, I'm going to build my church and all of hell will not prevail against it. Even all the people that think it's optional are not going to prevail against Jesus building his church. I want to show you how important the church is. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse uh, 10 and 11. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. Do we got that? It's all good. It's all good. Even that's not going to stop Jesus from building his church. Here's what it says. God's purpose in all of this is to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Look at that. There's a lot in there. This was his eternal plan, God's eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Now, I don't know, there's a lot in there, right? It's talking about some cosmic stuff, but it's saying this, the church is not optional. It is central to what God is doing in the world. Do you see that? This was his eternal plan, that he's trying to display his wisdom and his glory through the church. Your plan in 2024 should be to gather with the church weekly with God's people for worship. This means Sundays and community group, right? So when you look into 2024 and you want to have a good year, does your plan include community group? Because if not, you need to switch up your plan. That's all there is to it. Right, you need to get involved and plugged in because that's where you get to know the family of God and the bride of Christ. So they're saying, hey, listen, I want to have a good year. I want to have a great year. Well, does your plan involve Jesus' church? If not, come on, let's change, let's, let's change the plan up because this is when we gather and this is where you can serve the bride and the family with joy and caring for their needs, whatever uh, they might have. It's a way to buck the fluid culture. Fluid culture says, hey, you follow your own heart and do whatever you want to do because it's all about you. Jesus' plan is deny yourself. If you really want to be happy, if you really want to have a good life. Number three, plan to love your family. You guys doing all right? You guys hanging in there? Okay. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, 18 through 21. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And all the ladies said, amen, right? It's, a, it's the transcendent reference point coming down. What does submit mean? Follow the initiative of your husband. Follow his leadership. Kick back, let the man take the lead. Let him step up, run to the plate, right? Husbands, love your wives. What does that mean? It means sacrifice for her by stepping up and taking the leadership. That's what it means. Love your wives and don't be bitter towards them. Children, obey your parents and everything. And all the kids said? Amen, right? Uh, fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. So loving your family means being married joyfully, okay? And there's a difference. There's a difference between being together and being married uh, joyfully. So this means loving one another and not being selfish, right? Your marriage is not about you. It's about Jesus and honoring and glorifying him and, and, and not being swept up with the current of the culture and thinking, doesn't God want me to be happy? Yes, he does, but according to his standard, right? You always got to ask yourself the question, by what standard are we defining happiness? Married couples should be each other's best friends, right? Came to my wife this morning, I said, Man, thank God, you're the best thing that happened to me in 2024. Something like that. She said, you're my best friend, right? Whatever it was, in 2023. Uh, so it means partnering together as a couple in the work that God ha has given to us. Right? It means that you're one and that God has given you a mission and you do it together, right, through the church. It means finding uh, joy in Jesus together. It means you guys are seeking Jesus you're reading the Bible together, you're praying together, you're encouraging one another, you're talking about Jesus. The atmosphere is Jesus up in your house and up in uh, your, your marriage. And this means no bitterness. There shouldn't be any bitterness in your heart, really towards anybody, and especially towards your spouse. Because here's the deal. If Jesus died 
to forgive everything that your spouse has done, how can you have bitterness towards them if God doesn't have any bitterness towards them? All right? and, and if Jesus has forgiven you of things that you have done way worse than your spouse could ever do towards you, then how can you withhold forgiveness towards them? All right, I'll move on. Uh, if we have kids, then we've been given a great responsibility to teach them to raise them up in the instruction of the Lord. That's what this passage just says, right? Uh, for uh, parents, uh, for kids to obey their parents. Let me ask you a question. I want you to pay very close attention. Do you want your kids to be swept away by the flood of this fluid culture? Do you want that to happen? If your answer is no, then you better have them out of that flood, pull them out, and have them up in here involved in everything that we do. You want your, your kids to be up in the mix, up in here. If not, they're going to be swept away. And you, I don't care what you say. You can say, hey, I, I don't want them to be like the world. I don't want them to be. Well, if you got them all up in the, the flood of the fluid, that's how they're going to turn out, and they will not be followers of Jesus. Period. That's a guarantee. Because we're not following the plan that God has for us. So, here's what you do. You love your kids by you yourself following Jesus and you yourself serving in the church and you say, all right, kids, it's time to follow. Time to get on the train here and get all up in the mix with us. Just get them all up in, 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 involved in the church. Number four, I'll move on. Plan to be a voice. Plan to be a voice. John said, I am a voice. And what did he use his voice for? to tell everyone who would listen to him about Jesus. Uh, we got uh, an Echo Dot for Christmas. We also bought ourselves that. All kinds of new technology in my house. So Alexa, right? We got the Alexa app, and Alexa wants to know my voice. I know it's going straight to the CIA or whatever. It's, it's all good. They already got my voice on there. They can hear me if they want. They're listening to me right now. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, she wanted to, we had to set up our profiles and everything, and she wanted to learn uh, our voice. So she knows when it's me talking to her, and she knows when I'm disrespecting her. Alexa, you better play that bluegrass. So, yeah, so, um, so here's my point. The people whom God has placed in your life, they need to know your voice. They need to hear your voice. They need to know you're a Christian and that you're absolutely unashamed to be a Christian, Right? John was a voice. Now, connect that with how John the Apostle has been talking about Jesus. I don't even think he's named the name Jesus yet, has he? How has he been talking about Jesus? Jesus is the Word. John opened up his mouth to tell them about the Word of God, which is Jesus. So we should use our voice to tell everyone who will listen about the Word. That's what we do with our voice. And what do we tell them? We tell them that he loved us. And he sacrificed his life to die for us and to save us from our sins. We don't tell them with that much intensity, but we do tell them, right? We tell them, we tell them that we don't know where in the world we would be without Jesus. That's what we tell them. What, listen, Margaret, when you wrote it down, that something crazy is going to happen in 2024, and they're all tripping out about it, and this is what you say. You say, I don't know what I would do without the solid rock of Jesus. I would lose my mind. I would be lost. I would be doing what I was doing before. We tell them about how Jesus changed our life. 
I hope in 2024 that you have an opportunity to tell someone that Jesus changed your life, that he did some things, and that he's still doing it in your life. And we tell them what he did for them. Yes, we tell them that he loves them, that he came from heaven to earth. Think about this. Just think about this if this is, if this is true, that the eternal God who has always been there who is all-knowing, who is all-powerful, who is infinite, who is self-sustaining, who is unchangeable, who is triune, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, chose to come and to become a fetus, and to be born in the, in the, of, a, of a virgin, to come and to become a man. To be, the Word became flesh, blood, tooth, bone, and went to the cross for you. And that's what we tell them. That's what happened, that he loved them and gave his life for them, right? So that they would not be swept away by the flood of this world, but would have the good life now. That's what eternal life is. It is the life of heaven that has broken open the door of this busted world and so that we could have both life now as it was meant to be lived and forever when Jesus returns and makes all things new. This is the word of God for you today. So how will you respond? 